You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. This morning we're starting a brand new series called In the Beginning. And uh, my name is Mike, if we haven't met already. Uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Really excited about this series. We're going to take the opportunity to look at what the Bible talks about as the law of first mention. In Scripture, when you see something mentioned for the first time, very often God will give a very clear and accurate picture as to how we are to understand that thought or that phrase or that idea. And so I'm going to take the opportunity over the next four weeks to look at some of these laws of first mention, the first time a word is mentioned and how we are then to understand it. And so this morning we're looking at the topic of worship, worship. So we're going to look straight into the Word of God this morning. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 22. I'm going to read verses 1 to 18. It's a long passage, but stick with me, because as we read through it, we will see that what worship actually looks like, sounds like, feels like, and how we behave when it comes to worship. Let's read together. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he split wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood and bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham reached out with his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And I wonder if his voice was quivering a little bit more as he said, here I am. He said, do not reach out your hand against the boy and do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold, Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns, and Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. No dancing, no singing, no clapping of hands, fine musicianship, but pure worship. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word. Father, we thank you that your, your word teaches us, it guides us. God, help us to understand what it means to truly worship you. That, Lord, it's so much more than just a moment in a service, but it's a lifestyle. It's a life of honoring you with our lives. 
Lord, speak to us. Lord, if there's anything out of alignment, Lord, I pray that we would come in alignment with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get into this, this passage in Genesis, I, I want to I go to a passage in, in the book of John where Jesus is sitting at a well. He's sitting at a well with a Samaritan woman. Jesus is about to minister to the Samaritan people to extend his ministry from the Israelites out into the rest of the world. And he sits with this woman. And he begins to share. And they have this conversation, a little bit of a debate as to what worship looks like. She said, well, your, your, your ancestors worshiped there and you worshiped that way and you worshiped on that mountain. And, and, and she had this desire. She says, we're waiting for the Messiah. We, 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 we know the Messiah is coming. But she had no idea that the Messiah was sitting right beside her. And as they're having this conversation, Jesus says, but the time is coming, John chapter 4, and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship Him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. You may or may not be surprised that True worship is not 68 to 78 beats per minute. The slow songs at the end of the fast songs, that is not worship. It's a part of it, but it's not what worship is. Romans 12, we're told that we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Listen to what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is what? Your spiritual act of worship. Paul thought it was pretty important. Jesus declared the importance of worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now, when we look at this passage in Romans 12, it starts with therefore, which means everything that's gone before it we should consider. In light of what has been said previously. And he's speaking of the mercies of God. Now, as you go through the first 11 chapters of Romans, you, you read of 20 mercies that are given, shown by God. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. There's this description of God's mercy shown to each of us. This is our spiritual act of worship. So let's go back to the beginning, to the origin, to an understanding of what worship means. God, in the 11th chapter of Genesis, he, he speaks to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. You're going, to have, you're going to have children that are so numerous and descendants that are so numerous, you won't even be able to count them like the, sands of, the, the, the grains of sand on the seashore. What an incredible, unbelievable promise to give to Abraham. So Abraham, is, as he's waiting for this promise because they couldn't conceive, a challenge that faces many people even today. This promise that God had given. And so while he was waiting for the promise, Abraham did what some of us often like to do, and we try to help God out, don't we? We help him out. We say it hasn't happened like we thought it would happen, but God, let, let me help you out with this one. So they came up with this plan. Sarai, his wife, says, I can't have kids. But Hagar, your, your maid, my maidservant, she can. So Abraham, it goes along with the plan. Silly man. And 
Ishmael comes forth. Now, you've got to understand Ishmael is a, a part of the promise, a partial bit of the promise, but the promise was for Abraham and for Sarah. It was them together. That is what God desired. That is what God promised. So finally, when Abraham was almost 100, Sarah 90, she gives birth to Isaac, the fulfillment of the promise. Now, all of Abraham's hopes and dreams would have hung on this promise, right? God, this is it. This is what my life exists for. It's Isaac now. The promise is coming now through Isaac. And so now we pick up the story in chapter 22. And God says, I want you to take your son Isaac, your only son, the one whom you love. Now, interesting, God says your only son. It wasn't Abraham's only son. But it was the son of the promise that God had declared over them as a couple. Take your son, your only son, the one you love, and sacrifice him on this mountain that I'm going to choose. What we need to understand is that Abraham understood what worship meant. When he said worship, he knew what that meant. That meant sacrifice. That meant something would have to die in order for true worship to be experienced, to be given as sacrifice. When they arrive at the place, Abraham says, wait here, the boy and I are going to worship. That would have been such a walk, wouldn't it? Can you imagine climbing? Come on, dads. Just, 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 just imagine that for a moment. God's showing you, and know, I, I don't believe he would have revealed it necessarily to, to Isaac as they're walking. Maybe he did. But can you imagine that walk? As Isaac's, because he, he understands sacrifice. They've, they've, they've done sacrifice together. Because he's asking questions like, this isn't a sacrifice because we're missing something. We've got everything else that we normally have, but, but, but what about the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. What a journey that would have been. What a conversation. What is worship? Worship is laying that which is valuable to us on an altar before God. And Jaden led us there this morning already. What is it that thing that, what is it that is our focus, the thing that takes our greatest focus and attention? Would we lay that down as an offering? That would be a spiritual act of worship. So today I want to look at what it means to worship God in spirit and in truth. Our first thought from the passage this morning is true worship is listening and obeying. It's listening and obeying. I love the detail in the text. As you read Scripture, I love the, 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 the important details that are included. Verse 3, early, the next morning. Early the next morning. If that was me, and God told me the night before that I was to take my only son, the one whom I love, and sacrifice him, I would have taken a few days of prayer and fasting to decide whether that was really God speaking to me, right? I would have at least delayed to lunchtime or beyond. Give it a few days. Did I really hear God properly? But I love this response. Early the next morning, it's like, God, if you've said, I'm going to go. So often, if we don't obey immediately, we'll talk ourselves out of it. How many people can give a testimony of that? Was that really God? When you know God's voice, 
when you've, when you've read his word before and it's made sense to you and you know that God is speaking to you, but then you don't. And I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. When I know in my heart I'm supposed to do something or say something or speak to somebody, and I go, well, was it really you? True worship is listening and obeying. Here's nine words that will change our lives. I've said them before. I'll say them again. Do the next thing God tells you to do. Or maybe for some of us, do the last thing God told you to do. Some, some of us, we're, we're, we're stalled. You know, there's, there's like this pause in our, in our walk or, or we feel like we're not making progress. And sometimes God's in the wait. Sometimes God says wait and wait isn't, waiting is okay. Worshiping while we're waiting is a part of our faith and our journey. But sometimes there's a pause because we haven't taken our next step. God's asked us to take a next step and we haven't. God's asked us to forgive someone and, and, and we haven't released that, that judgment. We haven't released that pain. God's asked us to do something and, and we haven't. What if we were to listen and obey? What if God says today, and, and I believe there's grace on every decision today, that if you would say, God, I want to do your will, and I'm sorry I haven't done it as quickly as you, you had spoken it to me. Don't feel the judgment and condemnation, but the grace of the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, here's a chance to go again. Walk out from today, determining in your heart, thank you, Jesus, you spoke that word to me before, and I will obey, I'll listen, and I'll obey. If we live according to God's word, if we read to understand his word more than the things of the world, we can be certain we can walk in obedience with God. And, and I believe that through his word, he puts up warning signs. The amount of times I've, I've been approaching a situation or a circumstance, and I just in my daily reading, just my daily reading plan, I open it up, and there in the word of God is truth to guide me into that conversation. Not, not based on a feeling, but the Word of God right there that gives me guidance and direction. It's like the two pastors that were hammering in a sign. It says, turn back or turn, the end is near. Big sign. This guy drives past, winds down his window. You religious lunatics. And then moments later, you hear this screeching of brakes and then a splash and a crash. Pastor turns to the other one and says, I told you we should have just put the bridges out. <laughs> Sorry. My apology got a better laugh than the joke. It's a worry, isn't it? That one too. <laughs> but you know what? Learning to read and obey the Word of God is true worship. I, I've watched and listened and counseled too many people who have, who have said, I'm making this decision. It's great. Why are you making this decision? Because God's told me. So I ask the next question. How has God told you? I just kind of got this feeling, this idea. Yes, sometimes it comes as a feeling and as an idea. But can I tell you what also comes as a feeling and an idea? It's this little thing called the flesh. <laughs> I've got this idea, I've got this thought, of this thing that I'd really like. So therefore, we put spiritual words around it and we say, God has told me. Which can lead to us having a bad understanding of who God is and how he speaks to us. 
I always counsel people. I always tell people, if, if you're looking to make a decision, a big decision, a change, ask for God to reveal through his word. Confirm. To, to, to allow us to walk with a confidence. The big decisions Amy and I have made, we've always had a guiding scripture. Now, here's the challenge, is not to read the scripture looking for the scripture you want. <laughs> Because we can read the Word of God and go, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> that one doesn't go with my opinion or my idea. Now, come on, we read the Word of God to lead and guide us, to correct us. The Bible tells us, 2 Timothy 3.16, the Bible is useful for training, correcting, rebuking, and teaching in righteousness. Do we need to be trained, corrected, rebuked, taught? We do. So we go to the Word for that. So we listen and we obey. Abraham, he pushed past his feelings. Boy, did he push past his feelings in this instance. He could have argued his case with God. You know, that, that whole thing about the covenant and the descendants, this is the descendants. If we don't have Isaac, we don't have descendants. I mean, I would have argued that case. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? And yet, his response, listen, here I am. Early the next morning, up he goes. Paul spoke of our offering to God. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that confess his name, praise, worship. There's a sacrifice that's required. It's not about having a happy, clappy moment, although that's a part of it. Praise comes as a, as a sacrifice. It's got to cost us something. Because we stand against the values of the world. When we stand in righteousness and the righteousness of God's word, we stand directly opposed to the way the world would think. That's a sacrifice. I'm preaching on the origin of marriage in a couple of weeks' time. That's going to ruffle a few feathers, right? Or, or, or are we committed to the truth of God's word? which is good and guides us and leads us. Philippians 4.4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Who said that? That was Paul, postman Paul. Where was he when he wrote that? In jail. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again if you didn't hear it the first time. Rejoice. David. He'd lost everything. Like his men, they're off in battle, came back to find they'd lost their wives, their kids, their livestock. Everything had been taken by a marauding group of bandits. His own men want to kill him, and the Bible says David withdrew and strengthened himself in the Lord. What about Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns to God? Where are they? In the middle of prison at midnight. And here's what I love about this. Suddenly, oh, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly there was a great earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors, not just theirs, flew open. And the chains of every prisoner fell off. When we listen and obey, other people's chains come off. When we live a life of obedience to God, other people are blessed. When you gave your life to Christ, when you said, I will follow you forever, 
and I will give my life to you completely, something began to change in the people around you because they start to see something that only God can do. True worship is listening and obeying. Second thought this morning is true worship is giving God everything. Verse 2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. God took away all the excuses, as I said earlier, all the excuses I would have had. But, but God, it's my only son. It's the one I love. It's the fulfillment of the promise. He knew Abraham's dilemma. But God was testing him to see whether he would give his first and his best. Can you see the foreshadowing of God the Father, who many years later, scholars say, uh, some would like to say it's exactly the same mountain. We can't be totally sure of it, but we know that Golgotha was in the region of Moriah, very similar place to where Abraham had a son put wood on his back, climb a hill to be a sacrifice. Jesus did exactly the same, but there was a difference, right? While Isaac would have been a sacrifice, he could not have been a perfect sacrifice. Only one could be the perfect sacrifice, Jesus. But God was showing a picture of what would come, of true worship, of adoration to God the Father. So what does it mean to give God everything in worship? Well, one of the things that are valuable to us, one of them is time. Does God get our time? Does he get our best time? Does he get our awake time or our sleepy time? <laughs> when, when do we spend time with God? I, I don't want to prescribe anything. But Joshua said, meditate on his word day and night. It's, it's, it's something that we're to do throughout our day, in our waking and our sleeping. But I would be saying, give God your, your freshest time of the day. Some of you are night owls. You know, mornings don't do you well. And that's fine. Give God your best at the end of your day if that's what it takes. But give Him your attention, your focus, and allow Him to have your time. What about our resources? Like the, the boy with the loaves and fishes who said, this is all I've got, but this is all you need. I can give it to you. Would we say the same? Does God have everything we have? Do we think of everything we have as ours that we've earned and we've deserved and we've, you know, it's our right? Or, or do we actually see all that we have as God's. How do Amy and I make sure that all of our resources are God's? Well, we give Him our first and our best. The very first that comes in goes out. And we give that to God because we want to make sure that we are honoring God and that He is the one who gives everything, takes everything, <laughs> and He is the one that we can put our hope and our trust in. So with our time and our resources, we can give that to God. Sometimes God asks us to lay something on an altar that is difficult to do. As a 14-year-old, football had become more important than God. I was doing, doing well. I was in the National Academy, playing at a high level, had dreams and aspirations of becoming a professional footballer. It would seem I was kind of on the, on the right track to do that. But there was, a, there was a moment where I realized that football had become more important than God. Always been to church, but now reps were on a Sunday morning and there was no way I could get to church. We didn't have youth church like we do nowadays. <laughs> didn't have the opportunity of church on a Friday night. It was, it was just like church was Sunday. 
And I made a decision as a 14-year-old when I had an encounter with God, a revelation through his word. And I made the decision not to play rep football for, for a year. Now, that probably cost my chances. <laughs> I don't know whether I've been good enough anyway. Who knows? But what I do know is in that moment, something shifted in my walk with God. I guess I'm doing what I'm doing today, probably because of a decision I made at 14. Where I said, God, I'm going to lay down the thing that matters most to me so that I can follow you. As Jaden said today, what is it that we carry that is so important to us? Would we lay that down? The dreams, the hopes, the aspirations. What's interesting is that it was a year later as I was praying about my football and I felt like God say, I trust you. You, you, you honor me. You've honored me. And I felt like I was able to go back and, and play reps again. And, and I did. And it was, it was great. And it was awesome. But God was my focus. I was able to get that balance right and still give God my, my best and my first. We all have to walk through that. <laughs> and lastly, as we come to a close, true worship is trusting God completely. This is where true Christianity is expressed. This is where the rubber meets the road. Will we, at all times, trust God completely? That's faith in action right there. Hebrews 11.6, And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Just a few verses later in verse 19, we read, Abraham assumed that if Isaac died, now listen to this, if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. That faith that Abraham said. Well, if God's given a promise, he will fulfill the promise. Even if by some miraculous form he has to raise that promise from the dead. Sometimes we're not sure. And that's where we get close to God. We ask for His faith. It's not a faith that we can muster up within ourselves to just think better or think more positive. It's a faith that's given to us by God. A grace that's given to us by God. To believe, to hope, to lay down if that's what it takes. Abraham completely trusted God. And Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Listen to this in Romans 4. Now this wonderful truth that God declared him to be righteous wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was for us too. You and I, Abraham had to walk through that so that we would be sitting here today going, God, okay. If Abraham can, I can. If Abraham can lay down and give the very best, the fulfillment of a promise, if Abraham can do that, then yes, I will too. Your faith, my faith. It's an example for others to read, to see, to experience. Assuring us that God will also declare us to be righteous if we believe in God who brought Jesus, our Lord, 
back from the dead. What are you facing? What's in your world right now? Sickness, disease, injury, hurt, disappointment. Or maybe on the other side of it, life's as good as it's ever been. Like, like everything is going well. You know, we can slip into this other place of going, look at what I've done. And we can start to take credit for things that actually God's saying, oh, I want you to give me that too. Would we choose to surrender? Would we choose to be like Abraham? And I would also say Isaac, who I believe probably could have overpowered his father when he was wrapping him up to put him on the altar. The faith of Isaac to also present himself as a sacrifice. Both Abraham and Isaac required faith in that moment. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 30, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I believe there's people here today. You're asking questions about God. Is God real? Can I really trust Him? Is His Word believable? I want to tell you my story, my testimony, is that God is faithful. God is good. He is also a just God. He is a righteous God. He is a holy God. And there is a righteous standard in order to have relationship with Him. And that righteous standard isn't something that we can achieve by our own merit. I can't be a better person to wish my way or think my way into heaven. The only way to be right with God is to accept in faith the sacrifice of Jesus who climbed that hill and hung on a cross and died for the forgiveness of our sins. In a moment, we're going to sing a song called I Surrender All. And for some of us, maybe it's our dreams, it's our disappointments, it's our hurt, it's our failure. Maybe it's our success. Would we sing, I surrender all? But maybe for somebody, you're saying, I, I want to give my life completely and fully to you, God. I want to be a, a, an offering to you. Maybe for the first time, or maybe you've walked from God, and today God has drawn you back into this place to hear this message. And your heart is saying, I want to respond. You can do that today. Maybe by lifting your hands and worship and saying, I surrender all. Then in a moment, Jaden's going to come back and pray a prayer with all of us. But church, will we stand together? And if you feel led to, the altar at the front is available if you want to come and present yourself as a living sacrifice, but right where you are. God, we want to say we surrender all to you. God, we don't want to hold anything to ourselves. We don't want to restrict you from any part of our life. We want to give ourselves fully to you, that our lives would be a living sacrifice, that would be holy and pleasing to you, that that would be our spiritual act of worship. That I would listen and obey. That God, I would give you everything. 
that God, I would trust you completely. Let's worship together. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.